In the not too distant future 2016 AD There was a weirdo guy named Jack Not too different from you or me He sat around his armbar store Just acting nerdy and being poor He did it all with a cheerful face So they gave him a show and they shipped him to LA I'll watch all the wrestling The best I can find Then I'll interview my guests And try to pick their minds Now no one knows what era Jack will talk about today But he'll probably talk about the guys That helped to pave the way Legends Roll Call Ric Flair Roddy Piper Randy Savage Dusty Rhodes You might not agree on favorites Or other so-called facts Remind yourself it's all for fun So pipe down and sit back For Captain Jack's Armbar Emporium Hello and welcome back to the podcast of power with the man of the hour Too sweet to be sour, that's right, this is Captain Jack Hardless, and you are listening to Captain Jack's Arm Bar Emporium. Um, as we record this, we have just passed through Christmas Day and Boxing Day. We're almost at the halfway point of Hanukkah. Um, folks that are celebrating Tet and Ramadan, I know that's either coming up or already begun. And even the Kwanzaa folks are on day two. So whatever you celebrate, um, I hope... It was a good one, or you were in the middle of having a good celebration. I'm a festivist guy myself. Uh, my grievances have been aired, or I'm ready to uh, move forward and end this shit show of a year that is 2016. Uh, before we really get going, um, as this is the last show we will have on PWN Radio, a lot of housekeeping we want to get done. Uh, first of all, um, on behalf of myself and my guest, uh, we are dedicating tonight's episode uh, to the memories of both George Michael and Carrie Fisher. Um, with that, oh, and and yes, this, this is my guest, uh, frequent collaborator and friend of the show, uh, Mr. Eddie Van Glam. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? You got your muffler, Ian? <laughs> I'm always uh, working with my muffler, daddy. That's great, baby. So those of you who have been listening for a while, um, and you remember Eddie's very first appearance on the show, the muffler story from Dusty Rhodes, uh, <laughs> never gets old, never gets old. Um, and because of that, uh, funnily enough, that'll play into what we're going to talk about here in that uh, there was an announcement by Martin, the uh, head of PWN Radio, uh, a few weeks ago as we record this, that uh, coming up in January... Unfortunately, the network will be closing down. Um, very uh, sad news indeed. You know, it was Martin's idea to even give me a platform to just be silly and talk about wrestling after hearing me on other shows such as uh, No Sell It and Minutes with the Mayor, among other things, and said, your money, I want you to have your own show. Would you be interested in doing it? And I said, yeah. And here we are you know, 13, 14 episodes later. Not, not a whole lot of time, but, you know, folks seem to be digging it. 
And the good news is, after this, we will be getting picked up by the Steel Cage Network. Holy fuck. And even better than that, with their tens of thousands of listeners, I can't even believe I'm saying that. Um, not only oh, it's we'll, happening, sweetheart. It's, it's happening, all right. And even better still, Eddie, you're going to be coming with as a, uh, as a regular co-host. That is right, sir. I got my bags all packed, ready to go. Just don't tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, also we have a third. We if uh, if you are the Michael P.S. Hayes, and I am the Terry Bam Bam Gordy of Captain Jack's Armbar Emporium, then the Buddy Jack Roberts of this is uh, Mr. Jonathan Sprung, and uh, he will also be joining us as a regular co-host, I'm happy to report. In fact, uh, one of our first episodes after we move to the Steel Cage Network is we will be doing a comprehensive recap of Wrestle Kingdom 11, and Sprung Sprung will be on location at the Tokyo Dome for the event January 4th, that lucky son of a bitch. Oh my goodness. Oh. So, uh, kids, get your New Japan World subscriptions ready and uh, get ready to... I'm actually excited. I think this is going to be my first Wrestle Kingdom that I'm going to watch live. Dude. Dude, it's going to be dynamite. I usually wait like three weeks after everyone's like still cleaning up the DNA mess around their computer screens. But uh, Ah. I might might be joining people this this time. Um, I will do the best I can. I know that for, for you and me, you in Seattle, me down here in... On the uh, Good Ship Heartless in Los Angeles, it will be starting at uh, midnight Pacific live for us on January 4th. Oh, that's um, way better than 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much looking forward to it. Moments I always love every year. Uh, I love to see the surprises and see who comes in in the uh, the Rambo, the big battle royal at the beginning of the show. I know we got Haku last year, and I popped hard for that. And uh, the match with uh, Shibata and Goto for the Never uh, belt should be really good. I'm looking yeah, forward. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna lie. The match I'm I'm waiting to see is Okada and Omega. It's gonna be fantastic. You know, oh. there were a lot of doubting English muffins out there. I've been loving Omega's work since since uh, January of this year. You know, he's really stepped up his game, uh, being the new leader of the Bullet Club. And, uh, oh, man, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Okada's the man, but, oh, like, I'm not one to cheer for the heel, but, oh, I might be doing that this this uh, this upcoming show. You know, it, it has the makings to be a much better match than people thought it would be um, when it was booked at the end of the G1. Mm-hmm. Do I think that Omega will win? No. I, I think it was a big step that a Gaijin finally won the G1, which which is a huge step forward for New Japan Pro Wrestling. But yeah. I don't necessarily know that they're ready for the progress of having a Gaijin not only win the G1, but then knock off the, the ace in the company. Um, oh, do you, right can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen? The absolute nuclear levels of heat that would happen if that if that went down. Well, I would, I'd love to see it. I would, I would really love to see it from a storytelling perspective. Um, 
that being I, said, the, the, the world's already in ruin. So f it. Let's let's see what could happen. Life, <laughs> art imitates life, right? Burn it all down. Burn it all down. The yeah. Bullet Club reigns. Oh. Um, you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing it from a storytelling perspective. I know Giotto and Gato have great big balls when it comes to telling stories. Um, I, however, will agree with Kristen from No Sell It, who made a very salient point a couple of weeks ago, and she said. They just finished a years-long story with Okada finally winning the feud with Tanahashi by beating him at the Tokyo Dome after not being able to get it done several times beforehand. So she said that it, it would be too early for him to lose in the biggest show of the year um, to Omega. But, um, and I agree with her on this too, it, it, she had a lot of good points when she was going over this, um, that... It would not be out of the realm of a possibility that by no later than invasion attack, much the way Naito beat o, um, Okada back in April of this year, if by that point we do see Omega become the champion. Yeah. So I, I would definitely love to see that. Um, looking forward to Shibata versus Goto uh, for the Never Belt. Um, we get an ROH World Title rematch with O'Reilly versus Cole. If they actually give them some time, that should be really good. Uh, their final battle main event was pretty awesome. And I'm also looking forward to um, Hiroku Takahashi, the uh, Hiromu Takahashi, pardon me, uh, the former Kamatachi in his new amazing punk rock luchador gimmick, uh, getting a big shot against Kushida in the semi-main for the junior heavyweight belt. Um, having, yeah. got, having gotten to see the former... Uh, Kamatachi, um, several times this year at uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. Dude's the real deal, and I think they're going to really impress some people. Right on, man. So, um, but enough about that. Um, we're going we're gonna to get to the meat and potatoes, if you will, of uh, today's episode. It's another installment of My Favorite Feud, and uh, long-time listeners aren't necessarily going to be surprised by what you pick, but... Um, you know, I, I know that you definitely have a lot to say about it. So, uh, please, Mr. Van Glam, your favorite well, feud. I, my favorite feud, I mean, there's so many great ones out there. But, like, when you think about it, um, since, since, since 2000, we really haven't had a real meat and potatoes, like, serious, like, deep feud. Like, you know, we've had Rock and Austin... We've had, uh, uh, geez, let me, th uh, brain, come on, brain, work with me. Um, you know, uh, sorry, I'm having, I'm having a brain fart. Um, like, um, the, uh, the Freebirds versus, um, the Von Ericks. The Von Ericks, thank you. Um, you know, like, there, there's these feuds that have, like, years and years of history. And since 2000, we haven't really had anything like that except one feud. And that feud is um, Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus his best friend, Shawn Michaels. Absolutely. Um, I will tell you that there were, there were several other uh, prospective guests for uh, My Favorite Feud in the Future who were, who were um, nodding in approval and very sad that they missed out on the opportunity to talk about this one because yeah, of, yes but i mean yeah you think about it like you have 
rock uh like the like the feuds of since then you know that that really stand out to me like uh rock y2j or austin versus angle or jbl versus cena or uh even uh forgive me benoit versus angle or even um uh edge and undertaker like none of them have this like deep rooted history that Shawn Michaels and Triple H do. Yeah, I'll, I'll s- not not even Orton and and Cena, you know, and the many times that they wrestled, like there wasn't it, it was still it still felt very shallow compared to uh, Triple H and Michaels. I'll, I'll agree with that completely. Um, a lot of the every one of those feuds you mentioned had an element, maybe two, that you saw in this feud, but none of them none of them had everything. And I think that's you know this is definitely a feud. That is in a lot of people's top ten all time. You talk about Rhodes versus Flair, Flair versus Steamboat, Steamboat versus Savage, HBK versus The Undertaker, um, and another one of my favorites. And and this feud, those those had so many different things. Um, and this, yeah, this definitely was a throwback to the old NWA feuds in that this was very a very very personal issue. That um, I would say the meat and potatoes of this feud ran for two straight years. And that's what we'll be focusing on today. Uh, Those of you who have the WWE Network, I really hope that you uh, made use of the subscriber's choice that was put up um, back in August. There was a SummerSlam viewer's choice playlist. The first viewer's choice playlist that had ever been done. And that was... The SummerSlam 2002 angle and the probably the almost eight weeks that led up to that actual match too. Um, it was it was awesome, and I hope that they can they do more uh, feud spotlights from beginning to end like that in the future. So uh, the the feud itself kicked off with the surprise return of Shawn Michaels. Um, we had really not seen him in about two years. Uh, uh, okay, well, like at a full time basis, like it, it was, yeah, but like I, I, I full time basis, like it had been five years, but he had been showing up from time to time as the quote unquote commissioner. But like this is the first time that he was coming back week after week after week. Oh, absolutely! I think the last time he made a commissioner appearance was late ninety nine, early two thousand. Um, you know, behind the. Seen stuff. I want to say, I, I want to say it was like a. I want to say the last time I really remember him was uh, Rock versus Triple H, and he was the special guest referee on SmackDown. Yeah, and he he turned on the Rock, and, and that uh, was ninety nine. Yeah, that was fall of ninety nine. I think that was like the first regular episode after the pilot. Yeah, and it was such a big deal because he was quote unquote teasing this feud with Triple H and then he super kicked the rock and he was like, nope, we're still best friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think I vaguely remember he was the uh, he was a special referee for the Iron Man match at Judgment Day 2000 when the uh, with the return of The Undertaker and his first appearance on the uh, motorcycle. Uh, I would have to look that up. I don't remember that. But then again, I didn't have pay-per-view back then. So yeah, I I, I, I I just moved to Seattle and my area didn't carry Comcast, and so I never got pay per view for four years. Holy crap! So I missed four. 
I missed four years worth. I missed Attitude Era pay-per-views. <laughs> Whoa, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, I'm so glad the network showed up because then I was able to uh, to to go back and watch most of them. But uh, a lot of the time, I just ended up having to buy uh, a DVD that had a match on it, like uh, Hell in a Cell or or uh, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, as as somebody who was too young to buy the pay per views on a regular basis during that time, you know the the advent of the DVD um, collections was a great thing. So I, I can definitely relate to that. Um, but yeah, the, with the uh, the NWO in uh, WWE as it had been renamed uh, just right before he resurfaced. Um, Nash brought in HBK to be the mouthpiece for the NWO. As far as anybody knew, that was going to be the end of it. And then let maybe two weeks, a week later, somewhere around there, uh, Nash is in a multi-man tag match, uh, gets into the ring, promptly blows his quad, and then the next week, Vince comes out and says the NWO is dead and buried, which is immediately scuppers a storyline where Triple H was in a will-he-or-won't-he phase as far as joining the NWO after he had lost the Undisputed title to Hulk Hogan, who then lost it to The Undertaker, and then when Triple H got his rematch, um, shenanigans ensued, and he did not win the belt back. So pretty much it left everybody adrift, but this was one of the rare instances where... You know, we had chicken shit, and in, instead of getting chicken salad, we got fucking gold because it went right from there to. We tri- got chicken croquettes, man. <laughs> it was pretty great. Um, Slathered in gravy. Mmm, gravy. Um, so we go right into Triple H wanting uh, Shawn Michaels not only to be his manager, but he. Uh, he had the idea to reform DX live on Monday Night Raw. Oh my gosh! I was, the, the way they teased this was like a burlesque act, man. Because they never said the name, but you know he'd opened up the bag and they looked in the bag and then he both kind of like had that schoolboy like snicker, like they had like a dirty magazine in there. You know, like, oh, are you serious? Oh, 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 okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go put these on. Yee. You know, and you knew that was the DX shirts, but they never said it. And then when the music hit, the the pop was gigantic, and it was oh. it was an awesome moment. And even better was what happened afterward, because as Triple H goes into the standard Michael Buffer parody, he then turns, kicks Sean in the gut, and plants him with a pedigree. I legit cried. I knew. I know wrestling is scripted, but oh, my heart broke when that happened. Honestly, I I thought it because it meant that Shawn Michaels was going to be taken off TV forever. And this was the last time I was going to see him again for another five years. (laughs) I sincerely thought Shawn Michaels was done. Like, they're like, this is how they're writing him off. No, he just came back. Well, you know, for for all we knew, what with the uh, with the dead, the dead in the water uh, NWO storyline and all that stuff like that, that's not an unreasonable reaction. But... Um, after this, they, they went in a very, very interesting direction in that, uh, a week or so later, 
Uh, Sean was attacked in the parking lot and his head was put through a car window. And Triple H said, you know, there's a difference between what happens in the ring and what happens outside of it. Um, I want to know who did this, and now it's become, going to become my job to find out who. And the, the search went on. And can, can I say something about that? Yeah. That it, it, it felt, in, in WWE, this is pre, pre-wellness, you know, and they, and they really pushed the envelope back in the day, you know, in terms of things that they said. And the way that they brought this up with, with Triple H and how he was like, I'm going to find the man who did this. Um, it totally gave me this like 1995 OJ Simpson vibe because like deep down you kind of knew, but you, he, you, you were going to find out later. Like it, it just felt so dark this, this part of the storyline was just so dark to me. And I was shoot. I was like, maybe it's here 2002. I was, I just turned 20 or I was just about, I was 19. I was about to turn 20. And even then I knew that this was like a really dark, path to go down <laughs> yeah um the makeup folks did an amazing job on sean's face and i vividly remember all the all the bruises and everything they painted all over it and the and the and the tape to hold the wound together on yes. the forehead <laughs> yes absolutely and the reveal when he came in and he said that he found security footage and they did the old Blade Runner trick, and they enhanced, and enhanced, and enhanced. And, and then you see the logo. <laughs> you absolutely do, and it pans up, and it is the face of Triple H. And he'd been kayfabing us the whole time. It was him all along. Gosh, you think he learned that from somebody like his stepfather. Oh, oh yeah, you know... He, it's it's like one of those old anti-drug commercials where Vince comes in and asks him why he's doing that. He goes, I learned it from you, Pop! I learned it I learned from you! I learned it from you! Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So he said that Sean didn't belong there. He, damn right it was him. And he was doing it to put him out of his misery. So Sean said that he may not be able to wrestle anymore, but he can fight. And that he not wanted... I popped. Yep, everybody popped. Everybody popped. It's because you knew what was coming. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they true professionals, they, they let that moment hang in the air for a moment. And then Sean said he wanted a fight at SummerSlam. Yeah, I believe he said, Doctor says I'm not 100%. But I will be if I say, lick his lips, pause, SummerSlam explode yeah no it was it was huge it was huge and just as a matter of how stacked the card was um in summer of 2002 it wasn't even the main event the main event was um, rock and rock brock versus the rock for the undisputed championship and uh you know which which was a, a great match but it was not the best match on the card uh this was Far and away, the best match on the card. Well, I think they had, they maybe had, I think one divas match in between Michaels and uh, Michaels Triple H, and then the main event, and it was like a divas match. I think it was a diva. I, I, I'm pretty certain. Uh, I'm not gonna lie; it's probably the one DVD I bought from that time period. Um, and uh, yeah, even then, like, even, like audience was spent still when when Brock and Rock came out. Like they they had to deliver. 
Absolutely. Um, easy to say. Best SummerSlam of all time? Um, with that match, um, you know, that match holds some weight. Like, I love that match. I, uh, best SummerSlam? Ooh. I'm hard. Okay, well, you didn't say greatest pay-per-view, because I'm like, okay, because I would have to struggle with that one. Best SummerSlam um, that I can recall? Yes. I, I think absolutely. I, 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 can't, I can't think of a better SummerSlam. Yep, that was the where, first. Uh, that was the first Rey Mysterio Kurt Angle match. Um, mm-hmm. that, that was, was the opening match. It was amazing. Um, that was uh, Brock versus Rock. That was, you know, Triple H versus Shawn Michaels. You know, that, that was just a great pay per view. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of a better SummerSlam than that one. Honestly, um, now the match itself, it's it's so funny. And I think I think the best way to preface this is that um, Arn Anderson said to um, Shawn Michaels after the match that you know for everybody else there's there's ring rust for you it's like riding a bike it was awesome yeah no I I love I love that match I watched that match probably. And this is not an exaggeration. I probably watched that match at least four times a year now. Uh, back when uh, that match first happened, and I got my hands on it, I watched that match probably four times a day. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. Like that match never gets old. I watch it. I study it. I pick it apart. Um, I uh, I back in the day when I first started wrestling. Um, when I say first started wrestling, um, early on in my career, um, I had developed a character that was a heel, and um, real life circumstances happened where I was in a car accident, and I had to retire, quote unquote, retire from wrestling because you never really retire from wrestling. But for me, I was told that I should never wrestle again, and so because I wanted to live and walk and work and make money. Um, I took the doctor's advice and said, I can't do this anymore. Um, when I found out that I could wrestle again, I actually, uh, I actually looked at the booking staff and said, Hey, we should totally do the storyline of Triple H and Shawn Michaels when Shawn Michaels came back. And that's what will base my car accident in this storyline of my return back on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and for, for more on that, if folks want to go back to, the very first episode that Eddie was on, when um, that incredible story of how he earned the nickname the Rhinestone Wolverine, um, is just an awesome, awesome story about that and about that comeback. Is you know, if you believe in miracles, it uh, it might it might qualify for sure. Yeah, no, uh, I I I uh, I I. I uh... At that time, I felt uh, uh, very much kinship with Shawn Michaels because he was told he would never wrestle again due to a back injury, and uh, his was much more serious than mine. But um, like it, ju- it just fit, and the storyline was there with me and my former best friend, and we went with it, and we actually based our, we actually studied that match, and we based our match as kind of an homage um, to um, to uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. 
and there's you know nobody can blame you because there's so much going on in that match and it just builds and builds and builds um triple h did uh, what was kind of a running theme of the whole second act of Shawn michaels career from the time he came back here until he was retired, excuse me, um, at uh, WrestleMania 26, which was he targeted the back, and it was just old school punishing stuff in in this street fight, and yeah. th- the story they talked about is just where Sean, you know, had to resort to just anything he could do to stay in it, but his you could see his confidence grow, and he pulled more and more of the old HBK stuff out as he went along. You know, he. He dove off of a ladder. He hit the big elbow. He put Triple H through a table. So by the time he kipped up, like the place was just absolutely like molten white hot, ready for what was about to come. And the funny thing about watching this match back is he never actually hits that super kick. Uh, he hits. Well, he hit it. He pseudo hit it. There was a chair on the way. But he super kicked the chair into Triple H's face, which busted him wide open. Ah, that's right. My apologies, because yeah, I, I just re- I vividly remember the ending where he tuned up the band and he missed, and he was yeah. about to get put in that pedigree, and he then reverses it into the uh, into the roll up with the bridge and beats him, and the place went absolutely berserk. Yeah. Jr. with just an amazing, amazing call from start to finish in this match. He deserves a lot of credit for you know giving it that extra oomph. But, like, the beauty of this, the, the, the seeds of this was, you know, for the longest time, Triple H was in the shadow of Shawn Michaels. And, you know, Shawn Michaels left, and all of a sudden, Triple H, he's in the spotlight. He's the champion. He's the man. And then Shawn Michaels comes back. And, um, and Triple H, I, I, you know, I, I feel like there was, like, this, like, maybe it was never said, but I feel like Triple H would give out this air of jealousy and so it was always debated, you know, who was the better man? Was it Shawn Michaels with all the classic matches that he had? Or was it Triple H with all the title reigns that he had, you know, prior to Shawn returning? And um, this match, it was it, it, like, the it, as great as it was, um, I know, like, for me, like, if this was Shawn's last match, I'd have been happy. You know, like, I'd have been cool with it. But, like, it, it was, it did did it really settle um, this the answer of who's the better man? I mean, granted, Shawn Michaels out-wrestled Triple H, you know, but, you know, Triple H could never put on the kind of matches that Shawn Michaels did back in, you know, Shawn Michaels' heyday. You know, and, and that's, that's interesting because that plays right into the ending of this. Shawn Michaels rolls him up, gets the three, just the place goes absolutely berserk. Doesn't last long because Triple H then puts him down with a sledgehammer shot to the middle of his back and then one right to the back of the head execution style. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, we think Shawn Michaels is done. They they card him out of there. And, you know, we do not see him for a while until a couple of months later, um, in between this time, there was a spot with him doing a guest spot at the old WWE New York, um, where he said that, you know, when you least expect it, I'm coming back. I haven't forgotten what you've done. This is, in the words of Charles Bronson, this ain't over. 
And then when the Elimination Chamber concept was introduced for the first time heading into Survivor Series of 2002, Shawn Michaels is announced as the sixth man and punctuates it by coming out of nowhere and super kicking Triple H in the face and knocking him out. <laughs> Which was great. It was absolutely awesome. And then we get the match itself, which, you know, is, is memorable for a number of reasons. Uh, one of which, Triple H proving himself to be one tough son of a bitch. Because about four minutes into a 40-minute match, Rob Van Dam, who's in at the beginning with Triple H, goes for a five-star frog splash off one of the pods, and his knee lands squarely on Triple H's throat and effectively crushes, crushes his windpipe. Yeah, crushes his larynx. Oof. So, you, Triple H, all 280 pounds of him, big dude can barely breathe for the rest of this match, knowing that, you know, there's there's four other guys left to come in, and he's going to have to finish the match with Sean. So he he went an, another half hour plus, and with with about maybe 15, 10, 15% of normal breathing capacity. So, I mean, hats off to that guy. Yeah. Um. I, I can't remember. I want to. I can't remember which. Um, there, there's some one of those beyond the. If you have the network, it's on one of those beyond the mats. I want to say it's the Shawn Michaels, uh, beyond the mat, um, where it goes behind the scenes. But like, there, there are interviews with Shawn where back in the day, Shawn was so critical, and he would spit and cuss and 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 yell at everybody when shit went wrong, and. Um, like this match, things started going wrong fast. And it, it happens. It started with Rob Van Dam, and pro the fun thing, uh, and I, and bless him, Sean. At this point in his life, he has found God. You know, he 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 has gone a different path. He is married. He has children. Uh, he he's about having fun now, and he's stuck in the pod, and he's seeing everything burn to hell. It's this brand new match and everything's going to shit. And he can't help in like he knows his friend is hurt, but at the same time, everybody can hear him going, Oh, oh guys, th this is bad. Oh, this is bad. This is really bad. <laughs> and he's doing it in this fun kind of like, all right, guys, like let's keep it together. <laughs> like let, let's try to find the humor in this. But at the same time, everybody take care of Paul. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, because what else can you do? Right, but like that—that that just kind of shows the the transformation of of Shawn Michaels, and and like yeah, to to every now and then I I watch that match and I I always just look over watch Shawn when things are going bad and they show him in the pod and he's just like oh oh it's kind of like the the kid who's just like when he catches you in trouble you know the it's <laughs> like oh this is bad this is so bad yeah no i i vividly remember that moment watching this back several times uh since then um so you know triple h starts the match as the champion um Rob Van Dam comes and goes, same with Booker T and Chris Jericho and Kane, and we get down to Sean and Hunter, and, you know, Sean with his, with his uh, poop brown unfinished tights and his Dutch boy haircut, <laughs> hits, hits the sweet chin music, and becomes the world heavyweight champion. I didn't expect that. I don't think I anybody honestly, did. 
yeah, I wanted it, and I didn't believe that it would happen, but it did. And it is the reason that now here I am, like 14 years later, I pray every time there's a situation where I'm like, this is not going to happen. But Shawn Michaels once did it, but then again, I have to remember that not everybody's Shawn Michaels. <laughs> there's only one Shawn Michaels. <laughs> when you're so good that even Ric Flair says you're the best wrestler he's ever seen. I mean, that's 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 something special. That's once in a lifetime. Mm. So, um, yeah, we go from there. Uh, they go straight into the rematch. The next month, at Armageddon, we get the three stages of hell match, which yep. which is a really interesting beast. When when you when you break it down, no, no pun intended. Um, and I believe the first fall was a straight wrestling match. Yep. The second fall was a street fight, and the third fall was the ladder match. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I remember the the biggest thing is they were tied at one. Heading into the final fall, and that ladder match at the end—the uh, the most indelible moment from this match—it was a good match, but it, it you know it it couldn't it couldn't even stand with the uh, match they had at SummerSlam. Um, although it was it was about as good as as the Elimination Chamber match, if maybe a, a little deflating, because Sean gets dumped off of a really tall ladder through a whole lot of tables, and Triple H wins uh. the World Heavyweight Title back. And that image of Shawn Michaels falling through the tables uh, lasted for years in the Do Not Try This at Home video <laughs> that they played before every uh, DVD and during every uh, um, Raw and SmackDown. Oh, absolutely. And also something else that signaled here that uh, even though Triple H was once again, as JR would say, the man on... Uh, on the Raw brand at that time, Sean went through that, what was a really punishing uh, match there, you know, one month removed from going through the Elimination Chamber, and he was like, you know what? I feel good. I think I might be able to do this all the time again. So after they split off a little bit and both went into their respective uh, programs for WrestleMania 19 in your uh, backyard there in Seattle, uh, Jericho, oh my God. Jericho has his it classic was... with, with HBK, and Triple H uh, has a somewhat lesser match with Booker T for the World Heavyweight title. Um, I'm not going to lie. I actually thought Booker T was going to win at one point. Well, that would for it. It was amazing. That would have been the smart booking. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. In, in my opinion, that was probably the last greatest WrestleMania we have had since then. WrestleMania 30, barring like <laughs> WrestleMania 30, was pretty damn good. But that's 11 years in between. Oh man, hang on to that because I guarantee, come April, we're gonna have a roundtable about favorite WrestleMania and why. We're we're gonna get oh. there because oh, boy, yeah. do I have a case to lay out. For, for one of the more recent ones. Okay, as long as you don't say WrestleMania 9, we're cool. Ugh, I don't think anybody <laughs> will say that. And, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, Sprung, Sprung may like to troll people, but even he won't stoop so low as to say <laughs> WrestleMania 9, I can assure you. <laughs> but, um, so, that happens. You know, they interact a couple of times, um, continuing throughout the year kind of a touch-and-go thing, and all the way until 
right around the uh, fall into the winter of 2003, Shawn Michaels becomes the number one contender again. Triple H is the champion again after he gets the belt back from Bill Goldberg. And they have, you know, what a match I don't see uh, referenced a whole lot. But a, just this great, like, 30 or 40 minute closing match on Monday Night Raw that it looks like immediately that Shawn Michaels wins. You know, he finally hits the sweet chin music. He passes out on top of Triple H and pins him, but Shawn Michaels' shoulders were on the mat too, so it's counted as a double pin. Uh, Ty goes to the runner, as it were, and Triple H remains the world heavyweight champion by edict of uh, GM Eric Bischoff. Yep. Yeah, no, I remember that finish. That was such a... Because like, Shawn was so exhausted uh, by that point. He super kicks Triple H and then just kind of falls on top of him as Triple H is falling down, and He's covering Triple H, but his shoulders are on the mat. And, like, yeah, you never really, you don't really think it until, like, they, they announce it. And then you look at it and you're like, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch, yep. Like, um, Shawn Michaels yeah. is so much of a pro. Why did that happen? Probably because it's never happened before and he thought he was okay or he was unconscious. Who knows? <laughs> See, double pins have happened before. But I think it's a testament to the fact that Shawn Michaels is so damn good at the little things that you're hard-pressed to think of a better one than that. Right. Like, they, uh, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, they would. Oh, yes, they would. And that would take us right into January of 2004 and the Royal Rumble, where there was a last-man-standing match between Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And, you know, to pretty much sell the fact that... These two absolutely hated each other, and they were dead even, neck and neck. We get a double count-out on this one. Both men fail to answer the ten count. Yeah, it ends in a tie. Yeah, which which furthered the story and set the table for, um, you know, it's, it's a real shame that the third man in the main event of WrestleMania 20... Um, came to the end the way he did. And I'm talking about Chris Benoit, of course, because I think if he hadn't, this match would be mentioned in the discussion of the greatest WrestleMania main events at all time. Um, for several oh, for several years after the match itself happened, I was convinced it was the best WrestleMania main event I had ever seen. Yeah. And, of course, we're talking about uh, Chris Benoit, who won the Royal Rumble uh, later that evening from the number one spot, lasted over an hour, um, last eliminated the big show, jumps to Monday Night Raw, challenges uh, Triple H for the belt. Shawn Michaels says, hey, wait a minute. I I have not a pin over Triple H in that draw, and there was no conclusive winner in the last man standing match. I have just as much of a claim as you do, but out. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. He, he just kind of said, I need you. He's like, I need to finish this. Please, Chris, let me finish this. And Chris was like, no, this is my dream. Screw you. You cannot get away in the way of my dream. And, and he's like, screw your dream. This is personal. And like, and I, I remember that moment, like, because like, there's the contract. Like, Benoit just needs to sign it. And, 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 and Michaels goes, oh, okay, cool, whatever you say, Chris, steps back. And, and, and like, it's, it's actually funny because this was not the first time or the second or third time, but um, you should have seen it coming, but then finally you're like, okay, I think this is the moment that everyone said, 
okay, you need to watch when the person is perpendicular to Michaels and Michaels has his side to him. Michaels <laughs> because that means Sean's probably going to super kick him. Because since then, after after that moment, I would always watch Michaels and how he was standing in reference to the person in the ring. If Absolutely. If he was standing face-to-face, he was going to be fine. If Sean was standing off to the side, man's going to get kicked in the mouth. You know what the best part about that was? This moment sold him just standing there like that five years later when Bret Hart came back. Yes, exactly. And that's what, what I'm talking about. Because you see that moment where he shakes his hand, he steps back, he looks at Brett, and he takes a step, and he just waits. And that three seconds he stood there was the longest three seconds ever because you're like, yep. no, no, he wouldn't. I was like, what are they doing? Yeah. And yeah. then he hugs him. It's like, oh! Exactly. That's that's what makes yeah, so I mean that was almost that was almost six years later, but the seeds for that were planted right here. Another thing that yeah. probably makes Shawn Michaels the greatest of all time. So um I remember like he, he just went, Okay, Chris, and he steps back, and as Benoit goes to step in, Shawn Michaels super kicks him, grabs the pen, and signs in the place of the number one contender. Therefore yeah. making it official because because the way law works in the world of professional wrestling <laughs> is essentially an extension of finders keepers losers weepers in case you hadn't gathered this uh listeners <laughs> and it's certainly how it worked out here because gm eric bischoff shrugged his shoulders and made a triple threat match out of this and goddamn was this a great match i think this a lot of people Shawn michaels himself included um said that this was the call the true culmination of his comeback in that he was back in the wrestlemania main event he was mr wrestlemania and the the match that he and Triple H and Benoit laid out was was incredible stuff. It was and they were in front of a hot crowd in Madison Square Garden, um, and you know everybody played their part to perfection. Yeah, but like think like think about it. Like you have this hot blood feud, probably the hottest blood feud there's been since Rock and Austin, right? And it's been going on for nearly a year now, almost a year. Well, no, wait, hold on. We're, we're talking six, six, eight months. It's not quite a year yet. And, um, and then you have the tenacity and the aggression as well as the technical um, superiority that is the wrestling style of Chris Benoit. It has every – it's like anything that is wrestling – it is everything all in one. It is the Thanksgiving of wrestling in this one match. <laughs> the, think about it. the veritable you the cornucopia. Power, you, you got the powerhouse. You got the uh, the um, the high flyer Shawn Michaels. You got the uh, like powerhouse Triple H, high flyer Shawn Michaels, and the technical prowess of Chris Benoit. It is all things wrestling, and then you add this blood feud with this drama in it, and. Ugh. And you put it at WrestleMania, like, thank you. It's Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's Thanksgiving. It was. It's it's the ultimate thing. Uh, like, I think it's the ultimate WrestleMania match. And unfortunately, due to uh, things that happened, we can't talk about it anymore. Um, I mean, you and I can continue talking about it, but um, the universe cannot. Absolutely. You know, I I totally agree. Um, 
I've always joked for a long, long time since I was a kid that WrestleMania is wrestling Christmas. And uh, this one certainly fit the bill. I, I had very, very fond memories and a very emotional reaction to the finish of this match. And I, even... have, told, I have told bosses that I will work Christmas and Thanksgiving, um, but the day of WrestleMania, I do not come in. There you go. And, uh, I've had bosses who are like, okay, well, there's a meeting. that. Well, you get the day off, but there's a meeting that's mandatory. You have to arrive. Otherwise, you've gotten you will get written up. I have been written up. <laughs> and guess what? The day I got written up was WrestleMania 26 because you said I said you think I'm gonna miss Shawn Michaels' last match? Fuck you! <laughs> um, I was there live. Not only did I see that match live, uh, which still might be the greatest match I've ever seen in person, um, I was in the building at uh, the U.S. Airways Center the following night for his retirement ceremony. Um, I felt so bad that I wasn't there live for that. Um, I found out that WrestleMania was going to be in Atlanta, where my father was the following year, and I got to go to Shawn Michaels at the Hall of Fame and got, him, got to see him get inducted. That's amazing. That's absolutely incredible. So I feel like he, I, I, I made up for it. Yeah, I'll Shawn say... Michaels Shawn Michaels is one of my top three favorite wrestlers of all time. So I, I think a, I think a lot of folks would agree with you on that. So, but the thing so, about yeah. it is, this feud must continue. The, Chris Benoit may have been the world heavyweight champion, but the issue was not over. Uh, they had a match. They had a match that was just as good. I, I dare say the following month at Backlash, um, which yeah, it, was, it was the Triple know. Threat Part Two. Absolutely. It was in Montreal, of all places. Yep, and uh, Chris Benoit won the match with a sharpshooter on Shawn Michaels in Montreal. So brilliant. It, it was a great finish because the crowd booed the hell out of him the entire time. Yeah, it, that was actually, I, from what I heard, that was Shawn's call. He said, you should finish the match with, uh, with a sharpshooter on me. You yep. know, and, and it was kind of like Shawn's way of saying, sorry. <laughs> yeah like because it, it like he knew that it, like benoit had to be over benoit he was the champion benoit needed that rub and what dude what a, what a rub what a what a way to say like you're the man like, yeah you you get to do what their hero couldn't yeah and, th- and that's the thing is if you really think about it in back-to-back months not only does chris benoit become the world heavyweight champion but he Beats both members of DX cleanly. That's like the Ultimate Warrior beating the Mega Powers at back-to-back WrestleManias. That's some big stuff. Yeah, but it's like, when you think about the storyline of the both matches, there's this blood feud between these two former best friends, and they're so engrossed and so into hating each other and so into, I have to beat you, that they overlook Chris Benoit. Yep. And that was and, and that was the and, mistake. And it becomes both of their downfall. Absolutely correct. Um, like, again, like I think it's probably one of the most genius storyline matches ever, in terms of giving you everything in wrestling. And then it finally culminates with um, Raji and Eric Bischoff saying, "Enough is enough. We need an ending to this. We need a definitive ending. Bad blood is coming up." And in the main event, even above the world heavyweight title match of Chris Benoit versus Kane, they announced it was going to be the end of the line for this feud. 
Hell in a Cell with these guys. They went 47 minutes inside of that Hell was, in a Cell. That was Bad Blood 2004. Yes, sir. So it was almost nearly two years from the start of the feud. Uh, so good. Yeah, I just remember how punishing this match was, and they just kept going and going and going. Well, I think this was like the first time, if I remember correctly, like weapons were introduced inside the cell. Like, I don't really remember that many weapons before. I mean, with the exception of maybe like Lesnar Taker. Yeah, I think I think Lesnar Taker had some stuff, but a lot of it was just kind of the sheer. It was the uh, Taker's hand in the cast. Yeah, but this was like, yeah, Shawn Michaels and Triple H and Hell in a Cell, it was like chairs and tables and ladders and someone's grandma and... Sledgehammers. Mae Young's uh, son, the hand, I don't know. Like a lot of things happened. <laughs> a lot of things. A lot of things. JR's yeah. bar- barbecue sauce. Like... So, and I feel like this is another match that's that's overlooked in their feud, and, and it might be because it's just an embarrassment of riches uh, from a match quality perspective when you're talking about this feud. Um, almost everything is is great to excellent. This match is no mistake. Um, listeners, if you haven't watched this match, please do yourself a favor and uh, get on it. Um, Pull up a chair for a good 45, 50 minutes and watch this thing beginning to end. Yeah. It is well, just well, brutal. Like the, it, It's like Magnum TA, Tully Blanchard, cage match levels of brutal. Yeah. Like, I think for me, at this point, when they announced that it was going to be one more match um, after two years, like, I think for me, I was just getting to the point of burnout. Like, I love this feud. Like, don't get me wrong. I knew that this match was going to be magic. But, like, for me, I was just kind of like, how are you two still standing? How can you two still keep going? Like, how, how, how is this possible? <laughs> you know, like, again, like, name a feud that's gone on this long in our lifetime, you know, that we remember and, and look back so, on so fondly, like, 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 like Rock and Austin and whatnot. Yeah. Like, this is probably the last big, great we ever see and uh you know it's it, it, again it was like one of those things where i was beginning to have burnout and then they pulled out this match where it's just kind of like dear God, like by this point it's kind of like watching a wrestling match where the guys are beat up they're tired they've been through hell they're laying they're in puddles of blood and then they just like they start doing the punch back and forth you know where usually you get the boo and the yay going this match, the, the the Hell in a Cell, it just felt like that moment where they're just throwing bombs at each other at yeah. this point. It's been two years. Just fucking die already. Yeah. Like, uh, this the, this match... Everything they have. Yes. This this match was, was... The whole idea and the whole layout of the match was supposed to be 45, 50 minutes that encapsulated you know, the entirety of the feud from the last two years. And from a storytelling standpoint, it worked. Uh, Triple H wins just an absolutely brutal match. You know, nobody leaves under their own power. And these guys move forward. You know, and every once in a while, there'd be like a fan's choice or like a tribute to the troops or a, or a Cyber Sunday where they would yeah, kind of end the up in the same time, ring. I think the, I think the last time Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels fought after that, was a tribute to the troops where Shawn Michaels won clean over Triple H at the Iraq show. 
Yeah, but those are kind of like whose line is it anyway? You know, yeah, nobody's keeping score like and a, the points don't matter. Yay, we love you. Here's a match. But, you know, they got Triple H. Dude, dude, you know, you're fighting for the country and you're going to get Shawn Michaels versus Triple H right there in Iraq. Like, that's pretty damn cool. I'm not going to lie. I mean, if you're not a wrestling fan, like, sorry, but that, that's pretty damn cool. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was a fun one to watch, and I mean, by that point, the the feud itself was over. These guys would go in different directions. Uh-huh. Um, Triple H would have a few more runs on top as the World Heavyweight Championship. Shawn Michaels would do things like wrestle Hulk Hogan and um, work against <laughs> Vince McMahon, and you know, uh, a match with Kurt Angle. Uh, a superb match with Kurt Angle. Man, like, yeah, he, he has, what, like, three matches of the year at WrestleMania against, uh, was it, Vince McMahon and Kurt Angle and Ric Flair? Like, boom, boom, boom. Like, um, I, I would go and say that he, wait. as far as WWE match of the year, he, he had a run there where he was in the match of the year, I think, every year since he got back. Because you could say uh-huh. 2002 was was the street was the uh, street fight of SummerSlam with Triple H. 2003 was the WrestleMania 19 match with Jericho. Uh, 2004 was the Triple Threat. 2005 was the match with Angle. 2006, um, you could make a very strong argument for his match with Vince. It was crazy good. Um, 2000- and a match with Vince—that's saying something. When you can have a match of the year with Vince McMahon, yep. who's stiff and awkward as hell. Yeah. Like- but is a, but is a great character and a great storyteller. But like again, like you think of the imagery of that. Shawn Michaels jumping off this twenty foot ladder with Vince McMahon bloodied inside of a trash can on top of a table. Like, ugh. It was and Shawn Michaels drives his heart uh, as as uh, Jr. said, driving his elbow into the black heart of McMahon. Yeah. Like, and the funny part is that that match combined with what Triple H was doing, who hadn't interacted with Shawn Michaels in quite some time, in the main event versus John Cena, both men did something that we hadn't seen in a long time. And they uh, they gave the the old DX crotch chop. Which then later on... Yeah, which then later on, uh, as Vince McMahon continued to make Shawn Michaels' life a living hell and tried to sick Triple H on him, finally Triple H had enough of... Uh, uh, enough of uh, pop pop shit, and reforms Triple H, uh, reforms Degeneration X with Shawn Michaels, thus ending the feud once and for all. Yeah, and like just like with that whole thing of like DX, like to see them come together and like go on and have fun, and and just kind of enjoy their careers in that moment, I think was awesome, you know, and really just enjoy each other. Um, I, I, I really loved, especially when they went into this great tag rivalry with team rated RKO, which, uh, I think was really to help propel edge to that next level of being a main event superstar. Cause you know, you, you had Randy Orton who was a world champion and then you have Shawn Michaels and Triple H who has more titles than those two combined <laughs> from now until forever. But, um, like, I remember, like, I vividly remember just all the fun that they had. And there was this, it was a very sad, but yet it was a very sweet moment at uh, New Year's Resolution where um, Triple H, he injured his quad. He tore his quad. He, he gave a, a spine buster and he tore his other quad. And um, 
and they had to improv the finish, which um, it ended with Shawn Michaels doing the dive off the top rope onto the announce table onto Orton and whatnot. And like, but at the end of it all, like Shawn Michaels walks over to Triple H, who's who's laying on the ground, and, and he and he tries to help his friend. And this was totally improv, but they hugged, and 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 they knew at that moment that this was it, like it was done. These two would never be together in a ring ever again. Yeah, and uh, they continued uh, after Triple H got back. They would uh, they would tag sporadically as DX, but uh, you know Triple H would go off and work with some of the younger guys and start working more in the front office for WWE as. Um, HBK wrapped up his career with back-to-back performances at WrestleMania against The Undertaker. Um, I was there for the rematch at WrestleMania 26. A lot of folks say that the WrestleMania 25 match is the best match in the history of WrestleMania. Hard to argue that point. Um, But yeah, you were lucky enough to see him get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, No doubt one day Triple H will be as well, um, just as much for his work. Uh, behind the scenes now at WWE as it would be in front of the camera. But I think this, if you had to press people for one or two things, I think that uh, his name alongside uh, Shawn Michaels will be his, at the forefront, that will be his lasting legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, the, he and Shawn Michaels, they had probably one of the most iconic, memorable, greatest uh, factions in wrestling history. Uh, I, 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 I dare say behind, uh, the NWO, um, better than the horsemen. I don't know uh, that that's where like maybe a tie, like, like, uh, I think it, they, they, they really did something special and revolutionized, um, pro wrestling and, and what we see today, uh, because of their partnership. Tough to say they were better than the horsemen, but I'll give them this. The Horsemen never had, never split off and had a rivalry like what we saw with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Could you imagine? Uh, you know, I one of my uh, great forgotten gems is that Fall Brawl '95 match that uh, went on near the top of the card, which was Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair, and it was really the only singles match we got between them. That match is awesome, and it's it's so sad in hindsight that all it was used for really was a catalyst to turn on Sting for the 80th time the following month and put the Horsemen back together with Brian Pillman. Uh, Because the, you know, I honestly think that Arn Anderson is one of the most underrated talents in the history of professional wrestling. And that guy is money um, on the microphone, in the ring, and I would have loved to see that turn into him being a main eventer. I, I remember how special I thought it was, even when I was watching it at age 10, as it happened. Um, and, you know, this was right at the beginning of the opening of the Monday Night Wars. I think this was the, either the pay-per-view right before or the pay-per-view right after the Monday Night uh, Monday Nitro had started. Mm. And it was just... Yeah, it, there's another one to put on your list, listeners. Um, Fall Brawl 95, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, great stuff. That being said, they never pursued it. So I don't know that you ever had a faction split off and have a rivalry like this one. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I've never seen it. You know. So, and uh, to, 
to transition from there as we talk about this and how it continues to inspire you going forward. Eddie, I wanted to touch on something you had mentioned in an earlier podcast. Um, Yeah, we, we... Guys, I can't stress enough. Um, if there's only one episode of this show to listen to, um, as we wrap up our run here on PWN Radio, get ready to move to the Steel Cage Network, go listen to Eddie's very first episode um, where we talk for nearly two hours. The episode's called Legalized Wrestling. We talk about everything from uh, the building of the independent scene in Seattle to Eddie's comeback from his back injury. And something very interesting we mentioned at that point, just kind of in passing, was we talked about your dream opponent. And at that time, you said your dream opponent was the, the man with the strongest penis in the world, Joey Ryan. Yep. So something, something very interesting happened. Um, after your dog collar match in November uh, with uh, Steve with uh, Steve West, the yeah, simply the best Steve West. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he and I ended our blood feud. We had been battling for the better part of four months, five months, mm-hmm. and um, he and I, I. So I won. That's that's something you need to take away from all this. Hooray! I, I, won, I won the feud. Um, I, uh, we finished the match. I could barely stand and our commissioner diva la deviant came out and earlier in the night, she said that she had a bunch of Christmas gifts that she wanted to give her children, the three to one fans. And, uh, she said she had a thing for quote unquote packages and she was going to save the biggest package of them all later that night. Uh. Um, she revealed the first two packages as, um, Later that night, um, B-Boy of CZW was returning and facing Dan Maccabe, um, and that was a big deal. Uh, B-Boy is such an exceptional, wonderful talent. I didn't know much about him before he came to 321, and since then, um, I've gotten to sit down with him, share card rides with him, pick him up from the airport and whatnot, as well as learn from him in seminars. And he, this man is such a, uh, a wonderful a plethora of information and so kind. Uh, however, in the ring, he will fuck you up. I'm, I'm just gonna say that now. <laughs> he's a nice guy. B boy will kill you. <laughs> um, so uh, he and he's uh, graced us enough to let us know that he's gonna be back. Like he's coming back in January as well as February, and I even think like April. Like he's coming back like every month now. Like he loves three two one. He wants to make it home. Um, Anyway, sorry, uh, I digress. Uh, I got, off, I went off on on my love of b boy, um, and, and I'm going to go into my second love, uh, which is um, her second package was at the next show on December second. She was bringing in Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb, the man who plays Matanza Cueto of uh, Lucha Underground. I was about to say that guy's a monster. He is a he is a monster. And uh, he faced our big cat, Scott Henson. Um, and so the audience was stoked. They are like, holy crap, we got these two big names back. What could the third package be? And so at the end of my match, uh, so flash forward to two hours later, the end of the main event, uh, Don Cutler match, uh, I'm, I'm barely getting off the ground. My music's playing, and Diva's music starts playing, and I have no idea why. As I, I look up, and she's standing in front of me, and she goes, I have the biggest package, Christmas package left 
for all of you 321 fans. However, Eddie, I dare say this one's for you. You are the king of thong style. And on December 16th, you will be facing the king of dong style, Joey Ryan. <laughs> and I... I, I, I couldn't believe it. I actually, if you actually go back and watch the video, I, I'm just like, I, I, I almost know, I know what she's saying. Cause I, I'm just like, no way is this. And I passed out. I actually fell back and just collapsed. <laughs> it was, um, and, it was amazing to watch. And one of the announcers saw this happen. And knowing that I have a, uh, love, uh, obsession with Capri Sun actually left the announcer's booth, sprinted down the aisle, dove into the ring, and gave me a Capri Sun to resuscitate me. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Like, oh, you see me sitting up, and I'm holding Capri Sun, but I'm still like, wait, is this real? <laughs> that, that part I missed. I did watch this happen live um, on, on the internet as it went down, and so, saw the dog collar match, saw the announcement, saw you um, pass out. Uh, very much in a Terry Funk manner, <laughs> I might add. Um, yeah, I didn't even feel it. It was just, I was like, I just heard Joey, and I was out. That was great. It was great. <laughs> so the, the, the push on social media for this match was absolutely amazing. Um, hashtag dong versus thong. And, <laughs> yes. the, and the build to this match with with you two was great and have and being able to uh watch it all unfold you were again on top in the main event brother on december 16th at 321 battles deoc the halls yes yes and uh wow what a what a what a what a christmas gift that was um we had so normally that venue holds about 200 250 comfortably we had probably 400 people there. Yeah, it looked like a legitimate fire hazard. <laughs> it was a, yeah, no. Um, and we actually had a second room with a projector set up because people couldn't get in. Sweet Jesus. And there was a second bar running. And so, yeah. Um, to give you an idea, Battle Mania is probably our highest grossing show that we've done at that venue. Um, and usually our, our shows that are not Battle Mania, they, they're okay. Um, yeah, Joey's, the Deoc, the Halls, um, let's just say we did very well. <laughs> we did very well. <laughs> and um, that, that was such a surreal moment. Um, the best way I can describe it, even though I am in no way in any shape or form in the realm of 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 these two superstars um i got to the ring at that moment and i knew at that moment that you know i did not want to interrupt the majesty of joey ryan um i knew the fans were all there to see him and i felt like i remember just kneeling down in the corner and i sat and i just watched and i let it happen and uh, I had this feeling come over me and a memory of the time I watched um, NXT Dallas and Shinsuke Nakamura came out and Sami Zayn was in the ring. 
like like i had this feeling like i was just like and like i heard the at the crowd and i was just like this is this is this is my my sammy zane moment like you know he's gonna kill me with his penis but like i'm gonna <laughs> the fuck out of this <laughs> Oh man, I I would say it was a bit more even than that. Um, I watched this one happen live. It was, um, you know, you you I w- I would say you gave as good as you got in this one. Uh, hilarity ensued. Um, it was indeed the dong versus the thong. However, the uh, the world's strongest penis did eke out the win at the very end with the u porn plex. And yeah, uh, something huge happened. Uh, I mean, a lot of huge things happened. But uh, <laughs> some 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 people like the audience found realized this, and and Joey asked me later, like, what was this about? Um, he blocked my air guitar, which is my finisher. Nobody. Nobody has ever kicked out of the air guitar. Yes, that's true. You you and pulled out the case and, and everything. Ever, and nobody's ever blocked it or 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 um, um, dodged it. So yeah. like, I pull out that air guitar. Like, I know it's in the back. Like, there's no stopping me. When the and guitar he, solo started and you pulled that out, I was like, "Holy shit, is he gonna do it?" <laughs> yeah, and um, when he blocked he blocked it, you actually. I, we actually could feel the air get sucked out of the room. Like he blocked it, and the audience was because the audience was like, "This is it!" And all of a sudden, you hear them kind of go, <gasps> <laughs> "Yeah, and I he know." Was like, what was that about? I'm like, nobody's ever blocked the air guitar, and he's like, "Oh, oh, so this is a big deal." I'm like, "Yeah, a little bit." Nice, nice. <laughs> Him and I were talking at the merch booth after the match, and he's like, "What was that about?" And I'm like, "No one's ever blocked the air guitar," and he's like. Well, hot damn! Like no shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great but, spot. Um, yeah, and then uh, for me, like, I got for me, like, I don't know, like, I've been doing wrestling. I've been doing wrestling since two thousand seven. I've I've had four years experience in a ring, and um, I always wanted to be able to see if I could hang with, you know, the top one percent, you know, and. Uh, uh, I truly believe that Joey Ryan is that top one percent. He is camera ready. He is ready for TV. He is he 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 has made great money doing what he does, um, and he could, and you know he lives comfortably off of that, and and he's living the dream, and that's amazing. And um, I always wanted to know: Can I do this? Can I hang with the one percent? I may not be the one percent, but damn it, can I hang? And uh, I I learned that night that I could. And even though I lost, uh, uh, it meant the world to me that after the match, you know, he, he shook my hand and presented me to the crowd and, and, and thanked me. And then um, and then things went wrong. <laughs> yeah, it got really interesting after that. Um, Steve West and his Hellfire Club attacked us both. Just when you yeah. thought you were out, they pulled you back in. You know, it's the Shawn Michaels Triple H feud. You think we're done, but <laughs> <laughs> they attacked us, and uh, Joey and I got up, one upped them, and Joey, I, I, I sicked Steve West onto Joey, who Joey was going to give him the dongplex. He was going to give him the U porn penis plex, and they're 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 they're. The Hellfire Club's uh, Bam Bam Gordy, uh, Krakatoa, the human volcano. Good lord, he's big. So legit, um, Krakatoa 
is six foot eight, three hundred eighty pounds, and that's <laughs> not, and that's not wrestling size. That's legit. That's how big this man is. That's like, a big boy. <laughs> he's a big dude. I wrestled him the show before. Like he he is six foot eight, legitimate, and he's three hundred eighty pounds, and uh, he broke off the hold of the penis suplex before Steve can get it, and knew his own power and decided to test the man with the the, the strong dong and uh, grabbed Joey Ryan's penis willingly and said, I dare you. <laughs> and Joey couldn't do it. Joey was trying, and Krakatoa was laughing at him, which is something that has never happened in the year of the penis suplex. Um by the way, just saying the year of the penis suplex, um, I feel like should be a shirt or something or what. I don't know, but maybe I'll talk to Joey later about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll give him we'll give him a freebie. <laughs> but um, Joey looked at me and said, "Can I get a little help here?" And uh, this wasn't planned. I was just like, "What?" He's like, "Can I get some help here?" So I walked over to Krakatoa. I grabbed his other hand. And I put it on my ass because uh, <laughs> I don't have the world's strongest penis, but my ass is made of steel. <laughs> Solid steel. Uh, I got I got buns of steel, and uh, I put it on my I put his hand on my ass, and then all of a sudden Krakatoa, his lip began to quiver as Joey and I both began to flex and hulk up as uh, Krakatoa's <laughs> knees began to shake, and we did a double penis thong suplex that was that was the dong and thong plex for yeah uh, and it, it was the largest suplex joey ryan has ever done and i got to be a part of that so um, the, um if if this goes forward man there's so many questions after that because that was that was impressive stuff does this mean um will you get a chance to uh even though, will you get a rubber match down the line, or is this the beginning of the dong and thong connection? <laughs> the dong and thong connection. People have asked me about that. Like, are you guys going to be a tag team now? Like, the dong and thong express, or the dong and thong connection? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, Joey has expressed that he would like to come back. Um, and for me, like, the way I look at it is uh, I would love to tag with him. Uh, who would we fight against? Probably the Hellfire Club. Um, you know, if 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 permitted, I would I would love to battle them with Joey. Um, however, you know, there's a bit of me that's prideful, saying that I was this close to beating him. You know, I was this close. I know I can do it. And uh, I looked at Diva after the show, and I said, you know, she said you almost had it, and I said, if you give me one more chance, I know I can. There you go. Much, much as to tie it back, much as Shawn Michaels said, "Give me one more shot against the Undertaker." I almost had him. You, uh, yeah, you kind of want that I, second I, shot. And so, well, here, here's the twist. Like, I, I love Shawn Michaels. He's in my top three. Uh, not gonna lie, Joey Ryan's in my top three. Uh, you can only imagine who my number one is. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, humor humor the listeners and give them your number one since you've given them the other two. Uh, well, he's the tower of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey. Ooh, yeah. Staring into the video scope. 
looking out on the people here. That's right, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, listeners, by uh, you the know, way, my, 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 my top three ain't bad. I would I would say not. I would say not. It's I, I would say it's pretty good. It's pretty close to my top three. Pretty pretty close. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But um, uh, uh, to to uh, echo Shawn Michaels as well. Um, I do well at three, two, one. However, I don't always pull out the entire toolbox, if you will. Uh, every time, you know, I like to save that for special occasions. And the only time I open up the, the toolbox and dust off tools that I've never used in a long time, or if ever, uh, is at a show we call battle mania, which is our big anniversary show in April. And, uh, I can't confirm this. Um, I put in the request where I said, if I ever get to face Joey Ryan again, I want you to give me him at battle mania. Cause if I can almost do it on a regular show, I know I can do it at our anniversary show. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make a proclamation here on our last episode on PWN radio. And I, I feel, uh, you know, now is, is as good a time as any to do this as we close out this crazy year that is 2016. If you can book that rematch versus Joey Ryan at Battle Mania, I will get on an airplane. I, I will go limousine riding and jet flying out to Seattle and out to 321 <laughs> Battle. And I would like to request to be in your corner, Daddy. Let me be your corner man. <laughs> well, let, let's let's see what Joey says. You know, like uh, uh, I I will put the offer on the table for him to join us in April, and uh, and uh, we'll see. We'll, well see. Things can happen. Like again, um, I would just love to have him back. Uh, you know, uh, I would uh, to to the the experience that I had from learning from him. And getting the the experience of being in the ring with him, uh, honestly, it was like seeing God for the first time. Like <laughs> that 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 amount of professionalism and that amount of um, uh, I want to say confidence in himself and his character, as well as being in the ring with the man himself, uh, was life changing. And uh, yeah, if if I do get in the ring with him, he's going to notice a change in me this time. Awesome, awesome. You know, I got to, I got to meet Joey back in two thousand and seven at a uh, independent show in Phoenix, and even back then, he was just an absolute star and owned every room he walked into. And he's done nothing but expound on that by uh, several degrees uh, since then. Uh, you know, everything from just moving merch to traveling around the world, to just being an entertaining son of a gun and every, in every promotion he goes to. So, you know, I really I really hope that that can yeah, happen. You, 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 yeah, if Joey shows up, you need to be here, Jack, because uh, I felt really guilty. Um, uh, yeah, even after, you know, how, you know how good Joey Ryan is? Even after he beat me, he sold me a shirt, and I paid for it in full. <laughs> 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 and, it, and it just so happened to be the, the 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 Joey Ryan shirt that you were clamoring over that you couldn't get anywhere. It's the Lucha Underground Joey Ryan shirt where he has the lollipop in the mask with the sunglasses on. Oh man, that's a great shirt, and it got pulled before I could grab one. You, yeah, you lucky it's dog. Available, 
it's available in person only. In person only, and uh, we we and don't we don't see a lot of Joey Ryan around uh, Southern California these days. He was one of the founders of PWG. Um, we saw him for a hot minute at uh, the 13th anniversary show uh, over the over the summer. He he commentated on a match or two with Excalibur, and then he was he was out the door on his way to the next gig. Yeah, I I you know part of us part of me. Uh, felt like a real jerk for uh, booking Joey Ryan on December 16th because there's a lot of fans going to PWG that night that were expecting to see Joey, but nope, he was with me in Seattle. You know what's really funny? A, a nice little postscript to this story. So um, the only reason I wasn't there is was because of uh, work, you know, uh, day job demands uh, for the Christmas rush and um, my lovely girlfriend taking me to uh, PWG to Mystery Vortex Four, where the entire uh, yeah, card you, you have a, you have a good woman if she can get tickets to PWG. Those aren't easy to come by. Yeah, I, I do. I have the I have the best best girlfriend in the world. Um, yeah. Well, you're well. Yeah, you, you, you enjoy your best girlfriend in the world. I have the best wife ever. There you go. There you go, man. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Um, so <laughs> the funny thing was, we were at that show. And the they go to announce the they go to have the first match and in Mystery Vortex you only know what the main event is you don't know what any of the matches are everybody's a complete surprise so nobody came out to sell their merch around the ring like they normally do at a PWG show but uh, Trent Beretta's music hit first and he came out and then all of a sudden the music for the world's cutest tag team came out came on and everybody in the room thought it was going to be Joey Ryan except for me and Kristen, who turned to each other and went, Joey's with Eddie in Seattle. And then we both looked at each other and went, Candace. And on cue, out comes Candace LeRae for the first time to PWG in over a year. So the world's cutest tag team was well represented up and down the West Coast on December 16th, 2016. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was, a, good, it was a good year. Um... It was a good year for wrestling. Uh, I think it was a great year for independent wrestling. Um, you know, and, and, and in, in 2016, independent wrestling might have been the only entity that had could say 2016 was a great year because everything and everybody else kind of suffered. You know what? I, I feel sorry for the people who don't love professional wrestling because at least we had professional wrestling to fall back on. Whew. Ain't that the truth, man? Um, and you know, on, on that note, I think that's, that's about as good of a way to, uh, to start going into our wrap up here. Very last episode on PW on radio. Um, as I said at the beginning, uh, big thanks to, uh, Martin for believing that I could do this and for giving me the free reign to be as uh, ridiculous as I wanted to be. It, it helped me uh, springboard onto where we're going to be here on the steel cage as we expand the show. Um, we will continue to talk about, um, you know, the best of the wrestling of years past. My favorite feud will be coming with us. Uh, we'll be do introducing some roundtable discussions here as well. Um, we're going to be focusing a lot just because so much different stuff is covered on the network. Uh, going forward, we're going to be doing a lot of talk about uh, Ring of Honor, but especially about New Japan Pro Wrestling as they expand into the U.S. market. Uh, on their own. Uh, I don't know if you heard this, Eddie, but we're we're getting uh, the opening shows of the G1 Climax this summer 
in Long Beach, in my backyard. They're coming what? to America. No shit. No shit, buddy. So oh my gosh. We, we we need to get you and Sprung out here. We need to do a show on location because I I, I half jokingly said to um, the followers of PWN that uh, one of the things I was going to miss the most about the network was uh, Okada and Kenny Omega and Fale doing the bumpers uh, coming in and out of the commercial breaks for me, telling everybody that they were listening to PWN radio and how much I was going to miss them (laughs) being smack dab in the middle of my show. Um, Maybe we'll have the chance to make that happen for real. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Otherwise, we're just gonna have to like start dubbing in. Um, Tell me a lie from when Shawn Michaels had to retire that first time. Every time, just because it's like say goodbye to Kenny Omega and <laughs> and Okada. <laughs> you don't get them anymore, so we're gonna have to play the Shawn Michaels "Tell Me a Lie" song. Well, like you know, it's it's all right. I think I think we'll survive. We're gonna hopefully pull out some uh, some nice surprises and line up some guests here going forward. Um, I know that uh, we. We were lucky enough to have you uh, come on enough times that the demand was there to have you come on all the time, and I definitely well, appreciate that. We had a well, great thank interview. Thank you very much. Like I, I didn't know that uh, that that I, I caused that. But thank you. I've had a really rough week, so to hear that makes me feel good. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. No, people love those episodes. I would say. Um, those episodes and my interview with Box Brown, uh, which was a personal highlight for me, um, as you know, I was able to talk about comics on my little wrestling show with one of my favorite, with one of my favorite comic writers. That was that was also a, a big high point going forward. And uh, you know, if the Steel Cage grants me the latitude, I might I might throw that episode up and and your first interview where we went for that two hours as kind of some flashback episodes just to give give folks some flavor if you will, about uh, where, where we're headed and where we're going to be going here. But um, as, as we do get ready to uh, make that move, go ahead and uh, can you tell the people where they can find you online? You can find me online uh, via Twitter and Instagram at Eddie Van Glam. You can find me on Facebook at Edward Van Glam. Um, yeah, the Facebook police got me and they said eddie van glam's not my real name so i told them my name was edward van glam and they bought it suckers (laughs) so yeah uh i'm active on twitter and uh social media uh i've learned that from uh my uh my my uh partner in uh crime joey um to be always active on social media so you'll find me on twitter a lot you'll find me on instagram you'll find me on facebook Beautiful. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, for right now, the email for the show remains jacksullivan4711 at gmail.com. I am still on Twitter at cjacktalkback. Uh, before too long, you may even be able to interact with me um, at the Steel Cage, as all roads do lead to the Steel Cage. Cheap plug from a new bosses. Um, I will be... I will be on their upcoming episode that will be coming out as everybody goes back to work from the new year of Unfunny Nerd Tangent. We're talking about uh, Rogue One. It's an it's a fantastic movie. Um, in my mind, uh, the third best Star Wars movie ever to date, uh, behind Episode Four and Episode Five. You heard it here first. Go go watch it and go listen to the episode. I stand behind that statement. Um, but yeah, already getting into the mix there on the Steel Cage Network. Uh, you will hear our next episode of Captain Jack's Armbar Emporium there 
in the month of January. So um, until next time, keep sailing, and we'll see you in 2017, kids. Bye.